You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 67. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. So hello, folks. We are going to do another... Q&A today, it's actually been a little while. We've been busy with interviews over the last little bit. We've had a number of interviews. Yeah, so we haven't like put out to take questions. So, But uh, we still get them. Yeah, we still get them. And uh, we should definitely answer them because some of them have been waiting a little long. So we will definitely uh, make sure we do that. Yeah. And uh, interesting, interesting, uh, I don't know, I was, I was serendipity or... But we've all our questions today are from women, which never happens. This is like a first. Yep. So I guess we get to see what theme runs through the questions now. No? I guess so. I, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. So what's been let's let's just do a quick like announcements, what's been going on first. Um, first off, as far as announcements, you know, we've been talking some about upcoming events. Uh, we were out at um, Tethered Together a little while ago, which we had a great time at. I think currently the next event that we have coming up is we are going to be at Dark Odyssey Fusion here in June. Uh, it is an amazing event. You should definitely think about going to it. I don't think we know what we're teaching yet, but we do know that we are teaching. Yes. Some of our classes in some fashion. Yes. We know that we're teaching four or five classes, but... I don't know which ones yet. So we'll probably update you guys on that as we find out. But definitely come out, say hi. It's an amazing time and we're getting nothing from them for saying that. It's just great. You will definitely be hearing stories after we go because you do every year. So, so much debauchery. So much debauchery. So what else has been going on? We're trying to move, but that's kind of a whole whole work not far for anybody any of our friends who are around like literally like we, more so we just want to get out of our house like you guys have heard some of the house travails so it's we're not trying to move far so that's kind of an ongoing progress but nothing overly interesting for the podcast right now beyond the contractor coming in and being like it can't be as bad as you it is as bad as you said it yeah. was yeah the whole situation was sort of like we talked to the person and they came out and when he walked into the house, he was like, no, it can't be that bad. You know, it could definitely probably be, you know, probably cheaper repairs or something else or we can work something out. And then it was like, oh, hell, <laughs> this is bad. It is this bad. And it's like, yep. So anyway, on to like more fun stuff. OK, what yeah. is going on? That's more fun. So I'm trying to set up a MFM threesome. Yeah, that's my thing. So. I don't really do a whole lot of bottomy e things, and I don't necessarily consider anal to be bottomy e, right? Like it all depends on like the context of the situation. And I have wanted to have a DP scene 
for like seven years, right? It's been like seven years. That's what everybody's been telling you while you've been talking about it. Yeah. Everybody, a close friend of mine. uh, Partner. Partners. um, Everybody's been like, you know, this has been something you have mentioned for like seven years. Well, it's actually kind of like somewhat in the works. And I have sort of an issue with this whole situation because I do want to like do like a, a DP scene. Hey, it's dudes. Yeah, it's dudes. And that's where I was going with this. And I, if you've listened to the podcast on the like bisexuality bell curve, like I fall like pretty close to like full blown lesbian. I don't find dudes very attractive. There's been like four in 10 years. So, and one of them is you, Rigel. So like my pool of like male bodied people that, you know, penis havers, biological penis havers that I actually want to fuck is like non-existent. Cause like one of the people on that list is the guy who played Hannibal. So like, that's not happening. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. I I could see you blanking on the name Um, for a second there. So like, she's sorry, Anthony Hopkins. If you're listening to this podcast. Yes. Anthony Hopkins. If you want to have a threesome with me, I would so welcome you. So like, that's not going to happen. And you're taking up a slot already. So there's like literally like two dudes that I would be willing to fuck. And that makes this complicated. And so I would like to be able to set up a threesome, not just for the DP aspect, although that is like a bucket list item. Just it would be cool to be like the center of attention. I'm a kinky chick. Like this sounds fun. And normally I'm a doer rather than a dewey. Like I, I spend a lot of time focused on other people. But hey, like that sounds fun. And then I started thinking about it. And why has this been a seven year thing besides the whole factor of the fact that I don't really find very many men attractive? So I actually have a story that I'm going to share. And it was about my only other MFM threesome I've ever had. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yes. Did so, it go badly? Oh, so badly. So I had a partner. It was actually the first. You guys are learning stuff that I don't know. Yeah. So welcome so, to the podcast. <laughs> so the first guy I ever really dated, and I'm going to move away from the whole like sex thing for just a second, but I got with this guy after my girlfriend cheated on me with his girlfriend, right? And this is in high school. And... Our whole relationship was based on revenge revenge, and hating our partners. So that, first of all, was not a, a good thing. And through our relationship, I recognized, you know, maybe this is not something that's a, a workable deal, right? Like, I'm basically a lesbian. He was basically gay. His scale on the bisexual level was pretty much gay. And... We got together because we hated our exes and that's what we had in common. We didn't really have anything else in common. So you can just imagine the train wreck of that relationship. So, but anyway, I digress. So we decided to set up a a threesome. He had a guy who was bisexual, more on the whole, like, liking dudes more than chicks thing. And I was like, this sounds like fun. I am totally game. And I was in high school at the time. And I even cut that day of school. Sorry, dad, I forged your uh, name to cut school that day. Um, But like, seriously, I was like, I'm going to cut school. We're going to get together. My boyfriend's mom was away. And I was like, we're going to go to my boyfriend's house. We're going to do this whole threesome thing. 
it's going to be great, right? It's going to be fan-fucking-tastic. Two dudes, me, oh, yeah, sounds great. No, no, it wasn't. So we kind of started getting involved in things, and the two of them started going at it. Basically, I gave my ex-boyfriend a blowjob, and then they started making out, and then they did anal, and then they did anal, and then they made out more, and... There was a point where they turned to me and was like, will you go grab us water? And I was like, this is horrible. I just became the water boy for a gay love fest that I am not involved in. And so like, you know, I'm taking off my own clothes because they're doing their thing. And I'm like, look, there's boobs. Like, seriously, there's a vagina. Like, hey, And uh, no, I mean, it wasn't even out of like them trying to ignore me. They were just really, really wrapped up in their interactions. And I got some like kisses and smooches and stuff, but that's how that went. And so like, that was actually one of my first group sex experiences. So you're gun shy, so to speak. A a little bit. I'm kind of like, I don't want to end up somebody's water boy. And so my experience with like the whole MFM threesome thing was a nightmare because afterwards they were like, this was great, wasn't it? And I was like, no, this sucked, guys. Like, I don't even know why I stayed home from school. Like, I forged my daddy's name on a piece of paper so that way I did not have to get in trouble at school. And I did all this stuff. I even picked you guys up. I picked up the other guy because I was the only driver in this situation because I was the oldest one. And I did all this stuff and I didn't even get fucked. I didn't get fucked. I didn't get my pussy eaten. I was the water boy. So for a very long time, that has been in my mind of like, do I ever want to do this again? Because that sounds horrible. A repeat of that was just bad. And they were like, this was fantastic. And I'm like, no, no assholes. This was not fantastic. It was fantastic for you. I'm not sure why I stayed home from school. Like you guys should have just did your own thing. Cause obviously that's what was really needed in this situation. So anyway, I am eager to see a situation that does not look like that. Okay. I learned something new today. Although I said that, but I actually feel like now that I've heard it, that I've heard the story at some point. I've told you I had an MF. I don't think in as this much detail. No, I said it went very poorly. That was the poorly. Okay. But yeah, I was just like, I have boobs. Well, you're part of the benefit of getting older is you get to give it a go again and uh, see how that goes for you. I just, I really hope people play with my boobs this time. It's not your boobs you're worried about. And also... Well, I mean, there is that whole bucket list item part that I do want to happen. Yeah. So, cool. Well, good luck on your journey. Thank you. I'm sure there will be some kind of an update here eventually. Eventually. About that. So, with that, I think it's about time to hop <laughs> into the questions. For Are there any, are there any, any group sex questions on here? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. So, with that, guys, we're going to hop into the questions for today. All right. Our first question is from June 28, California. I recently had my first DS relationship. It had not been something I was looking for, really didn't even know it existed. Needless to say, I fell hard. Didn't realize it was even something I needed on so many levels, but things went south. The whole relationship was complicated. For starters, he was hours away and married 
I had no experience of poly and didn't know which boundaries to set in terms of advocating for myself. What I would love to know is if it is possible to ever get over your first dom. Is it common to feel like you're free falling without him? Will it always be hard to go down the path with someone else new? This is an interesting question. You're actually my first dom, so I can't answer it from that end. But I, I will say this, and this is you know somewhat stepping more into your wheelhouse here, but I think that, I suspect that, it isn't that different from your first love, right? Yeah, I, was, I would say, because like, you always have that special place in your heart for your first love or your first submissive or your first dom. It's your first poly relationship. Yeah. I know my first love was actually my first open relationship and first like submissive person. And as much as I knew she was a bad partner, she's not somebody that I will ever date again. There you say are times, 20 years later. I say 20 years later would never, ever date again. There are moments where like, I do like reminisce. And I think the big thing is, is that as time goes on, it gets easier. And it's not that you don't still hold like that space of like, oh, this person was my first, but this is really new for you right now, right? Like this is, this is, this is pretty new. Like you've never had a DS relationship. This is something that just happened as far as a breakup. So of course it's going to feel like, there's no way that you're ever going to be able to like go down the path with somebody new. And that's not true. Eventually you can, eventually you'll find somebody that sparks your interest and the pain will go away a little bit more. Like you're still feeling that burn real bad right now. Interestingly enough, Cassie is, so Cassie and I met when I was like 17. So, or 19, 19, 18. 18. The first time we met you were 18. Something like that. So, you know, Cassie is actually my first dom and my first serious relationship, and we're still together. Um, but I think for me, probably the closest thing is my first poly relationship. And, you know, it's interesting. I still, you know, this is a person who, and we didn't we didn't end on particularly bad terms. I still have a, a very, you know, fond place for in my heart, even though it's been a, a significant amount of time later. It was very, very difficult when we broke up. Uh, and this is somebody actually that at this point we're, I mean, we were never like enemies with. This is somebody that we're still somewhat friendly with. I think that probably the easiest thing for you, right, is most, most likely you had a first romantic relationship that ended. And, you know, when you think back to that, I'm sure you look back on it. And at the time you felt the same way, right? Like, is there any way to get over this? Like, do you ever get over this person? Like, do you ever get over your first love? And I, I'm sure that was probably the exact same kind of place that you were in mentally, uh, or at least very similar. But you did eventually, right? Like you you probably still have some feelings for them and you probably still think back on that kind of, you know, fondly, hopefully, or regardless, I'm sure you still think back on it. But you were eventually able to move on, right? And look for other partners. And the same thing's going to happen in terms of power exchange. And, you know, I know it can seem a little daunting because, there is less of a selection of dominance than there is of potential partners, but there are enough out there and there you, you can find somebody else. And if you're looking, you will find somebody else eventually. Serious question. All right. With that, let's hop on to the second one. I'm taking my shirt off. I'm hot. So we're going to naked podcast for a minute. 
You know that's not getting cut out. Go ahead. Yeah. Why not? I don't I don't care. Yeah. I'm like, you're like, that's cool. not getting cut out. I'm like, yeah, hold on for a second. I'm hot. It's 80 degrees. I'm taking my shirt off. Let's do it. <laughs> Your new underwear are adorable. I just went up to you here. <clears throat> you did. I was just trying to take my shirt off because I was sweating, but you went down to underwear. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I'd hope our listeners would appreciate it, but you know, unfortunately the format isn't really conducive. So titties. All right. Our next question is from Emily, 31 from Pennsylvania. I'm in a nesting triad. Both of my partners are struggling right now with big life changes, insecurities, and fears. In many ways, I'm the rock for both, and each are calling on me for my strength. But I'm also in the midst of everything. Things are hard for me, too. How do you hold up your partners when you also need support they can't give right now? So this is an interesting question, and I I want to call out I think something that's easy to miss the first time that you read this, but that that makes it a very different question, which is this question isn't my partners are struggling in their relationship with each other and I'm the rock for that. Like I'm the rock for what's going on there. And I I just want to point that out because I do think that that's something that it's easy to miss at first blush with this question. Like even when I read it the first time I did, and that would make this a very different answer than I feel like I'm going to give now. So that was that. Go ahead. Yeah. So I think the first thing is, is you're already on the right path. Like you're recognizing that you need support too. And something that you might want to consider is that if you all are going through a bunch of struggles right now, a bunch of life changes, a bunch of things that are going on, um, And I know a little bit more about what's going on than it's in this question. So they asked me not to share. But when there is health things going on, stuff like that, it can be easy for the people who are going through those things to keep trying to turn to each other rather than turning outward. Yeah, let me talk about this for a minute. So you guys probably know that Cassie has been through some very, very, very serious health stuff over the years. Like, are you going to die kind of health stuff. Um, so, and you know, that's a really, really difficult thing to deal with. And one of the things that I found that, that, you know, it sticks with me is probably one of the most useful relationship tools, uh, I've ever seen is this thing called ring theory. And I, I can't offhand remember who created it. I will post, uh, you know, a picture and, and probably a link to this in the podcast notes, but basically ring theory goes like this. It goes, you, you take a, uh, you draw a little dot right? And you label that dot with the name of the person who's going through the thing. So, you know, in in our situation with Cassie, where we thought she might die, like Cassie was the one going through the thing. And then you draw a ring around that circle, right? Around that dot. And in that ring, you put the names of the people who are the next most affected. So like, you know, in our case, that would have been me and it would have been man cub, right? And then you draw another ring and you put the people who are a step farther out. So like, Cassie's parents, partners at the time, because we didn't have any partners we were too entwined with, like things like that. And then, you know, you put another ring and another ring and another ring. And basically the idea is that you locate where you are in the ring and you're only allowed to do two things, which is bitch outward and support inward, right? So you can never bitch to a person who is closer to the situation than you are, right? So you bitch outward and you provide support inward to the people who are closer to the situation. I have found that to be the most incredible tool for dealing 
with situations like that, particularly involving health, but not just health. So that isn't a complete answer to your question, but I do think that's an important part of the answer to your question. So if you want to go from there, but that's, I love talking about that. Yeah. So I I think it's important to recognize that even if you're not the person in the center of this stuff and you're, you know, the next step out that you may need to like reach out to other people, see if there's people in your network that can help you take off some of the stress, some of the, if there's small things that you can get rid of. And what I mean by that is like, you know, if you can get rid of having to cook meals, I'll just use that as an example. Like that is one less thing that's on your plate where you can then support your other partners. And make sure you're taking care of yourself, right? Make sure you're practicing good self-care. When we're going through stress, especially when other people are leaning on us for support, you know, it can be very easy to kind of let that stuff go. And I'm kind of preaching to the choir right now with everything I've been doing here lately and ignoring myself that I was just talking to you about this a minute ago. But during those times, it is even more important to be making sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you have something to give and you can make good decisions around things as well, right? Because a lot of times stressful situations require decision-making. So those are definitely things to keep in mind. I I wish you guys well with what you have going on. And uh, yeah, if you have any other questions, feel free to send them in. All right. So our next question is from Libby, 24, Pennsylvania. So I met an amazing guy, but I'm not ready to date. Just had a huge breakup. I feel like a stupid girl right now. How do I let him know I'm interested and want to keep contact but I'm not ready to date without losing the opportunity for later. Tell him. Yeah, I mean, I think you answered this your own question. This is one questions. of those times that clear is better than clever, right? Like, tell him, hey, here's where I'm at. I like you. I think you might be a cool person to date. I just had a breakup. I'm not in a place to date right now. I'd like to stay in touch. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way to go about it. And that doesn't mean you have to go into details about your breakup. It doesn't mean that you have to go. You shouldn't. And yeah. Like you don't have to go down that whole train, but you can just say, hey, I, I went through a breakup. I emotionally am not ready for this, but I think you're amazing. I think you're cute. I like you. Let's stay in touch. And when I'm in a better place, let's reconnect. Yeah. When you say you went through a breakup, just say it without going into details, you know, uh, related fact for people. Talking to somebody, especially a brand new person, and complaining about an old partner is not a good way to garner uh, interest. Well, it's kind of two things, right? The first is if you're complaining about your ex, that person then is going to think, well, if we break up, am I going to be the next story? And they also are going to think, huh, I just met this person. They're putting all their business out on the table. How are they going to be about respecting my privacy? So keep that in mind. Our next question is from Brianna. Hopefully I'm pronouncing your name right. 41 from Nevada. I'm looking for daddy. However, I'm asexual and do not want to sleep with anyone. I simply want to be dominated and loved in a non-sexual way and wondered if I am likely to find a partner or if I am just destined to be alone. Ah. Whenever people have that at the end of their, their questions, I'm always like, no, you're never destined to be alone. So first and foremost, before we hop into this question, Last week, we actually put out an episode about daddy-dom-little-girl dynamics, correct? Which would be 56. Uh, You should go listen to that. I will put a link in the show notes. That was with uh, Kate Sloan. Go check that out. But in the meantime, to the question. The first thing is, is that 
being asexual does not mean that you don't have partners, right? And I'm not seeing in your question that you're not willing to do play because you said you want to be a dominated, things like that. So there's plenty of people who enjoy being dominant, having someone serve them. I don't know if that means play, like BDSM play or not, but that's another layer. And maybe, you know, this daddy dom has other partners to have those sexual needs met, but it's not uncommon for people to find partners who are asexual. Like it's a thing. There's plenty of asexual people who find partners that meet the other aspects of what they're looking for in their relationships. Yeah, this is one of those things, you know, we get this, I don't want to say regularly, but we do get this occasionally, like, you know, I'm asexual, can I find anybody? And the answer is yes, right? It's just a matter of how difficult is it. Uh, If you're asexual and you're looking to be monogamous, then yeah, that's going to restrict your your dating pool some, but you still can find people, right? You're just going to look for people more along the, the same end of that spectrum as you are, but there's still people out there for you. If you're asexual and you're willing to be in a non-monogamous relationship uh, and you're willing for your partner to have other partners, then they can get that need met somewhere else. And that opens your dating pool up quite a bit, probably. I don't want you to think that we we do get this occasionally. And and the answer is no, you can asexual people find people all the time. Our partner, Amanda, who's like our nesting partner, is asexual, like very much so, surprisingly so. And Cass and I both have extremely... I am sexually needy. I will just come out I was and say, say that. High libidos, but sexually needy is one way to put it. I am sexually needy, and I I'm fine with that. So yeah, so yeah, absolutely, you can find somebody. Our next question is from Shannon, fifty three in Maryland. My daughter gave me your fiftieth episode to listen to a few months ago. It was helpful and let me understand my daughter's relationships more. Polyamory isn't something I would choose, but it is her lifestyle, and I accept that. The end of June is my daughter's 30th birthday, and I'm planning a huge surprise, vanilla, question mark, family-friendly party with all of our family and friends for her. Who do I invite? I know her husband, but I just recently met her other two partners. Oh, and her partners have partners, and the two of them have children. Who do I invite? Any advice? (laughs) I am so happy about this question. So for those of you who don't know, our 50th episode, um, we did, it was actually something a listener had suggested where we put together an episode that wasn't for our listeners. It was for their loved ones. So it's basically, if you're Polly, here is an episode that you can give to your family to explain Polly. Um, And people have been really, really happy with it. And the fact that I love this, this makes me so happy. Shannon, you're amazing. I'm, I'm super happy with this question. Okay, let's take this one at a time. First off, yes, it is a vanilla party if it's family friendly. Uh, Vanilla isn't, just so you know, vanilla isn't so much of a poly term. Yeah, a a polyamory term term that has more to do with like kink. But yes, so yes. Now, who gets the invite? This is a great question. Curious to see if you're going to answer what I'm going to answer here. So I don't think you should be making that determination. You are. Uh, Yeah. So here's the the problem is it's a surprise party. And this is where this gets complicated. Yeah. So first, I don't think this should be your choice. It really should be what your daughter is comfortable with. Now, that being said, I'm not saying you have to like bust the surprise. Her husband probably has a good idea of her dynamics. And since you know him, right, you've known her husband for a while. Her husband probably has a good idea of like 
if she's on great terms with her metas or if like she hangs out with the kids, things like that. So you might want to talk to her husband. And then from there, talk to like her partners, be like, hey, we're having this thing. What do you think my daughter would think about, you know, having your children or having your partners along too? Like, I'm trying to make this a thing for her and stress that it's for her and who she would want to be spending her 30th birthday party with. Yeah. And just 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 to put this out, right, if this wasn't a surprise party, the, the very simple answer to this would be ask your daughter. But I think I think it's absolutely wonderful that you're trying to do this. I, I completely agree with Cassie that if you don't already know the answer to that question, you don't want to guess. Uh, her husband's probably in a much better position to make that determination than you are. So I would I would definitely reach out to him first, see who he thinks should be invited. And then like Cassie said, just kind of touch base and with those people. So, but that's amazing. Thank you so much for writing in. Make sure you send her this episode so she has the answer to this question. And if you ever have any other questions like this, please, please, please send them in. We are so happy to answer them. All right. So our next question is from Anna, 28, Virginia. What do you do with a struggle from loss when a partner loses physical desire, compassion, and interest in you, but maintains it with others? Do you just give up? Okay. I'm going to tell a a story here that I, I I don't know if we've told before. If so, it's been a while. So some of you guys are probably aware that back before podcast time and dating coaching time and, you know, a lot of the relationship stuff that we've done, that we did a lot of like education and events with education around kink and sex kind of stuff. One of the things that really encouraged us to switch and to kind of realize where people needed help was there was a period of time where we actually put out to, I don't remember if it was our email list or like on Facebook or what, but short version is we got a big list of people who were having sexual problems, right? And we sat down and we talked to these people about what was going on, just just so we could kind of learn like the kind of people we were helping. And what we found was that almost all of the time, unless there was like some really specific sexual question, like, hey, uh, you know, my husband can't get me off when he eats my pussy or, hey, like somebody's not getting wet or, you I'm know. I'm allergic to pretty much every lube. Which I'm allergic one to is lube. A good one? Like what's a good sex toy for A, B, and C? I want to learn how to use a flogger. Like as a general thing, if somebody's sexual relationship just was bad, that was almost always, once we dug into it, not because the sex was bad. It was because there was something going on in the relationship. And when you, I'm going to take compassion away from this for just a second. But when you say that your partner has lost physical desire and interest, I could say, okay, well, maybe there's a lot going on in their life. Maybe, you know, their libido is changing, which it does sometimes as we get older, either from circumstances or just biology. But when you say he's maintained it with others, that tells me that most likely it's not the problem isn't anything related to sex, right? The problem is most likely related to something that's going on in your relationship. Yeah, and especially you took out the compassion well, thing. Well, I was going to, I wanted but, to, I yeah. wanted to make my point first and then kind of nail it down with the compassion point. Yeah, and, and the fact that you're saying that there's a loss of compassion, 
um, there's other things going on than just the physical, obviously. So figuring out what those things are. Now, do you just give up? I'm not going to ever tell anybody that there's never a point where there's just no hope. There are. There, there is definitely points where that happens. We have seen people, you know, coming through our program, for example, turn around situations that most people would think were hopeless. Yeah. So, well, what I was saying is I'm not going to say that it's never a possibility, but most of the time you can. Most of the time there is things that can be done. Now, as far as what, I'll be honest, we don't have enough information here, right? If I thought this was just a sex thing, I would pitch you over to our desire map, which is, you know, one of our most requested and used tools that we put out, which is for dealing with differences in libidos and relationship. But I don't actually think that's what's going on with you. And there isn't enough information here to really give you advice on where to go from here besides just, yeah, there's relationship stuff going on and there's a good chance you can do something about it. But we can't give you more information over the podcast. We just don't have the answers. What I would very much suggest that you do is set up a call with Cassie. This doesn't say here what well, does. Um, I was going to say that you're poly, but it's, it's very strongly hinted here that you guys are in a polyamorous relationship. So I, or I non-monogamous. I will put my words sort. back in my mouth. Um, I, I would really, really suggest that you set up a call. Um, helping people out with this kind of stuff is what Cassie does full-time. It's what our team does. Um, and I would, I would chat with her a little bit and she can help you come up with a plan for, uh, where to go from here. And, you know, you can, you can hop on there for free and, and talk with her and she can help you put a plan together. We do calls like that. I will put the link in the show notes, but it's, it's very simple. Just go to a touch forward slash call and you'll go to the calendar and you can get something set up there. So I, I highly, highly suggest that you do that. And for anybody else, you know, listening to this or, you know, for you, Anna, um, I wouldn't sit on it very long, right? The point at which you're asking the question, do you give up is a good sign that somebody's going to give up if something doesn't change soon. So go set that up and let's talk. Our last question is from Barbara, 38 from New Hampshire. I am a heavy bottom. How do you deal with new bruises showing up every week? People keep asking questions. I work in the service industry and there isn't much to my uniform, shorts, and a polo. On top of my need for rough body play, I can end up with bruises even if me and my partner weren't having a scene. He can bruise me just having vanilla sex. So I look like a battered wife. Are there good excuses? Something I can do to heal the marks better? Okay, so here's the thing, right? I don't bottom. I don't do the bottomy stuff. I, I like to do things to people. I like to hit people with things and whatnot. But I bruise easy. And that's regardless of the fact that I do not engage in being, you a know, bottom. a bottom. Like, so what happens is, you know, Rigel, I'll I'll play with you and I'll bump my knee on a cross or something and I'll have a big bruise. Beat the shit out of me. And beat I won't the have any marks four yeah. hours later. Yeah. And beat the hell out of you and you don't have anything. So years ago. When we first got together, we did like sort of like a, a grapply scene and, you know, had some rough sex and we were out at the uh, local Chick-fil-A. Um, before they were bigots. 
Before I knew they were bigots. I, I think, think it was were... before it was really obvious that they were bigots. Yes. This is this is a while ago. Yes, because I now boycott them fuckers. But anyway, we were out and our kiddo was going and playing in the little gymnasium area. And Rigel had gotten up to go to the bathroom. And uh, the, the local police officer, who happened to be having his lunch in the Chick-fil-A as well, came over and was like, I can help you get out of here right now. Like, he's in the we bathroom. We can walk out of here right now. We can walk out of here right now. To which I was like, what? And then I recognized that, like, my legs were all bruised up. So she feels your pain. Yeah. So I understand where you're coming from. And I'm not even a bottom. And we do have, I, I am not a person who bruises, but we do have partners who bruise. So how do you deal with it? Well, I mean, there, there, there are a number of things here. So let me start from the break, which is, first off, you say, is there something I can tell them? And the answer is, I mean, you could tell them you bruise easy. You know, and, and you could come up with an excuse here or there for like, but at the end of the day, if you're always bruised, then the answer is no, there's not really anything you're going to be able to say that's going to help with that situation. So let's talk about the bruises. Number one is you can consider there are uh, kinds of play that are incredibly painful that don't leave bruises as easily. Dominant person. Such as, you know, certain types of electrical play or things that are predicament type bondage that wears you down. There's also uh, painful things such as like having to like kneel in things. There's a lot of things that you can do with your body. Pressure points. Pressure points don't tend to bruise like you can't push hard enough. So first off, I will say there there are a number of, of things you can do that don't bruise. Second is, I know you're saying that shorts and a polo, but that does give you quite a bit of area to work with. And I think that it's perfectly valid to ask your partner to keep your... I mean, you know, one one of the, the pretty standard things to negotiate during a scene is no bruises outside of these areas that my work clothes will cover. I mean, that, that's a, a fairly standard item for negotiation. Yeah, and even if it's not something that's like never outside of my work clothes. Maybe you have occasionally where you do something really, really, really fun and it's outside of the clothes, right? But on the more regular, especially since you're talking about weekly, there's new bruises. Maybe when you go to camp, right? Like we just talked about camp. Like maybe when you go to camp, you're like, fuck it. I want the bruises wherever, however they happen. But on the regular, like you don't necessarily go outside of the clothing. Yeah. And I'll let you talk about like a couple things you can do to reduce bruising once you have it. You're actually know more about that than me, which is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I will say, you know, uh, just back to the excuses thing for one second. I mean, telling people you bruise easy, fine. Uh, I'm like, if it really is like an ongoing problem, like and you're bruising so easily, even during regular sex, that it's it's pretty hard to keep that from happening. I would not be above being like, I bruise super easy. This is from sex. Like, especially if it's like clearly a handprint on your fucking thigh or something like that. Right. Like, so those are things to consider. Partially depends on where you work and who you're talking to. You want to talk a little bit about things you can do to get rid of bruises and cover up bruises because you are somewhat of an expert at that, actually. Yeah. So 
As I said, I bruise super easy, which is so obnoxious that I have a bottom who does not bruise at all and I bruise all the time. But first, Arnica is amazing. One of the things that I know for myself when I bruise, because I do bruise during sex. Currently, I'm sitting here with a with a handprint on my thigh from somebody. <clears throat> Don't know who. Yeah, you. I'm blaming from, on somebody else. <laughs> from us fucking around a few days ago. And it's it's a handprint. Like you can see, like you were grabbing my thighs. It was a fun time, but now I have a handprint. So for me, applying Arnica on the spot really helps take out like a lot of that dark bruising and it looks more lighter. So that like more greenish color, it turns that wave really quickly. And that takes out some of the detail of the bruises and it looks like something more like you grazed yourself on something or things like that. So it takes away sort of like the defining characteristics of the bruises and it also makes them heal a lot faster. But not only putting it on the outside, but actually taking Arnica as well helps. So like get yourself some some little tabs of Arnica to take, get yourself some Arnica cream. Um, another thing that really, really helps bruising is after the situation happens, so you guys are screwing around or you're playing, ice it. Um, the thing is with bruising, what bruising is, is it's it's bleeding, right? It's It's broken capillaries and things like that. So the sooner you can ice it and have those things not keep putting blood under your skin, the sooner the, the smaller it's going to be. So maybe you do do things, you know, in your scenes, but then like after your scene, incorporate maybe like icing down into your aftercare. So that way you're limiting what those bruises turn into. As far as covering bruises up. So it's funny that you say this because I actually do not recommend covering bruises up. I recommend putting clothes over them right? So I understand that your workplace, you have shorts, things like that. But outside of your workplace, if you're having family or friends, things like that, then wear leggings under your shorts. What about, I've seen people like, yeah, I know some kinky people. So that's why I'm saying clothes. So like you could put on leggings that are going to take out some of the coloration if it's allowed in your workplace. I know certain places that have shorts, you're not allowed to do that, but like leggings, long socks, things like that, that actually physically cover them. So why am I saying not cover up with makeup? Because now it looks like you think you did something wrong or you think it's something that needs to be covered up. So if you have like, say, on your upper thigh, a bruise and the person notices that you're covering that up with makeup, that's going to pick up more of a question than if you have a bruise on your thigh and it's just there. So I actually don't really recommend like using makeup to cover up your bruises because it tends to create more questions than it does solve the problem because people can tell you still have a bruise under there. People can still tell that uh, there's makeup on. I mean, heck, if you have ever been you know, a teenager and had hickeys on your neck and you tried covering it with makeup, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody's like, oh, you have a hickey. Oh, you're trying to cover it up. You know, so rather than drawing more attention to it, it's probably better to just leave it alone or find clothing options to actually cover up the bruising. All right, guys. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us. So guys, uh, if you have questions, send them in. We've got some more great stuff coming and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. 
Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF-1. Plane, 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 You know, you know that's going to wind up in the bloopers now. I should have thought before I did that. So. I'm leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back. Resume naked podcasting.